Hello, I'm Ian. And I'm Raoul. And uh, welcome to our podcast, Hope in a Mad World. Ian, we've covered a lot of subjects already in the past uh, series of podcasts, and I know that uh, you have it in your heart to talk about legacy. Right, uh, yes. So why don't you do that? Okay, so actually, I'm going to start with a story that kind of illustrates some of the stuff we talked about community. So um, me and my friend Ben... Hodson were he'd come across contact. We were kind of getting involved in the art stuff, and we we'd come across this guy that um, was like a pastor to artists in various forms of of the arts. You know, people that were on tour, like the he had uh, believers in the British ballet uh, in, environment and or song writers and singers who were often on tour and he would pastor them because they couldn't actually be part of a traditional community which is, so they found themselves outside of community right. but needed something else so he helped facilitate that right so anyway we were sitting down and he'd just come back from New York and he'd been he'd spent some time with um a a, a painter uh, from an ancient Japanese culture and they were this was a I think it was the first time they'd met and he was, uh, so he, he, and he was, he said, you know, he said, I'm a bit shell-shocked, if I'm honest, he said, because he said, we're chatting away and we're talking about goals and different things. And he said, uh, he said, this guy, I, I asked this guy, well, what's your five-year plan? And he looked at me if I, if I was stupid and he went, oh man, that's, that's far too small. I said, well, what, do you want to do a 25-year plan? And he went, no, 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 no. We need to have a 500-year plan. No. <laughs> so, oh, well, well. so it's like wow that that and so then he he turned to me and Ben he went so what's your five hundred year plan? <laughs> so um, anyway, we we kind of talked about that uh, uh, and talked around that and you know we live in such an instant society, right? Instant yeah. coffee, instant whip, instant this, instant that. You know, we even we've had you know presidents tweeting their po their political policies on on Twitter. Jimmy, we've had it's we live in this instant world and we don't really we don't really think in far into the future and even if we do it's the end of our life what's our legacy at the end what, what are we going to be known for at the end of our lives right so um we started thinking about well actually what about if we start to think about not the end of our life but what would we leave with the world? What imprint would we leave on the world when our family name's forgotten, when the books have disappeared, the photographs have gone, the physical name has gone? You know, what would we leave with the world? So we've been thinking about that. And then um, at the time we were, we were doing some work in Iraq, um, uh, like an art project in Iraq. And, um, and Greenbelt, the, the festival, you know, the kind of arts festival that contacted us. And, and we'd started talking about whether we could do something with them at that and eventually that didn't work out but um <laughs> but in the process they sent us their publicity because it hadn't been released at that point and he said this is what the theme's going to be and this is what the thing and what <laughs> it was about legacy oh, wow. and about 500 year plans that's incredible right yeah. so um so I, let me just read the bit that that, that, that we that we we that we read about this. So in the 14th century, the new college Oxford built a new dining hall with a series of huge oak beams. About half a millennia later, 
At the end of the 19th century, the Beams needed replacing. Being a wealthy institution, the college owned some land and wondered if there were any oak trees on the land they could use for restoration. So the search began and they started approaching tenant farmers. Oh, said one of the tenant farmers uh, when they approached him that they, uh, we wondered when you would be in touch. It turned out that the farmers back in the 14th century had planted a new grove of oak trees to replace those that had been cut down to provide the dining hall beams. The tradition was then orally passed from generation to generation, from one farmer to another, that these oaks were to be protected and set aside until new college, the new college needed them. Through the generations, the farmers were waiting from one century to another for this to happen. They waited for 500 years to provide for the needs. Incredible. Now, this legacy of unknown farmers, you know, we have no idea whose idea that was, who planted the grove, his physical name's gone, but he impacted the thing five centuries on from when it happened. Yeah, right? So that whole idea of um, what is your, what is, what are you going to leave that will impact people? Not next year, not next month, not in the next decade, not even at the end of your life, but when you are gone, everything's disappeared. You know, what is that going to look like? And I just lo I just love that idea of of that kind of legacy, you know, uh, that uh, you know what, you know. I, I remember when when we when we first went to house church. I remember sitting with a guy, and him saying to me, "Well, Ian, yeah, but you know, house churches are okay, right? But what is that going to, you know, what where is your house church going to be in a hundred years time?" <laughs> and I and I went, "Well, as a structure, I hope it'll be gone." Yeah. Right, because the whole idea of, for me anyway, church and community, and though it isn't about how it impacts through a structure or an organization or a building, you know, because he he he'd come from a tradition where you know his building had been there for 150 years, yeah. it'd been a witness for 100, you know, it's all this yeah. kind of stuff, and I and I, you know that's great. I, yeah. I'm not I'm not knocking that, but for me, I want to know that I've impacted. A person's life that's impacted their family, yep. not from not for just them, not just for that family, but for generations to come. Right? You've sown something into some yep. somebody yep. in order that it might bear fruit. Yeah. So that's really good. And it? it's, it's so it's not the structure that has a legacy; it is the lives of the people who that structure serves are going to have an effect impact impact on, on for for good or worse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's really good. So so legacy building for me is not about um, leaving a lot of money. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think a leg legacy yeah. in that kind of way, right? But it's actually about how we impact people's lives that will impact people's lives that will impact people's lives from generation to generation through that whole that whole aspect. That's really good. So. That's really good. So have you thought about what that looks like or how it works or is it just a mindset just to be aware of to as part of the context for living in and walking life out with god i, I don't know how do you see that <laughs> i i think i think firstly it is a mindset right so you have to change your mindset from being that inst in i think it has a lot of a lot of knock-on effects yeah. 
in the sense that firstly, changing your mindset from this instant thing, right? So, um, so for me, I, even as I think about uh, how the the kingdom impacts the world, we we are so ready to, you know, is it working? Oh, it's not working. Let's do something else. This is not working. Let's do something else. When we never give it time to take root really good. to really good. to look at those things, right? So yeah. so uh, you know, we we plow the field. But if you just plow the field, nothing's going to grow. You're not going to see any seed, right? You're not going to see any fruit from it, right? You have to plow the field and then sow the seed. Yeah. And, you know, the scripture's clear, right? Whether you sleep or don't sleep, <laughs> whether you watch it all the time or not, yeah. it will grow in its own time and its own speed. It's, it's you know, God will bring that growth for you. So I just think that it's having that, it, that for me, it really impacted that aspect of, the way I thought, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes a harvest will come in due time. Mm. You know, we want it to come yesterday, yeah. but a harvest will come in due time. Yeah. You know, when God is ready, mm. it's and so so and so for me that it ch it changed that mindset. It really helped me to um, start to think, oh man, this is this is much bigger. Mm. You know, that's really interesting. I, just, just as you're speaking, I, I, I can just see um, what a, a short horizon or expectation of legacy is perhaps related to individualism. Because yeah. in individualism, what's the effect of me and my life? And I, I'm not here for long. And therefore, the impact of my life, I've got to get on with it. And I've got to, you know, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Whereas if you're building for community, so that's something that goes on and has life and impact beyond yourself doesn't it so yeah uh, one of the things I, I do quite badly is I, I do beekeeping and one of the amazing things is you know a bee will only last the life of a bee is about seven weeks right which is not long it's about 50 days and but you know it's not even a summer a queen will last three years maybe a bit more if or a bit less depending on how she does um so the life of a bee makes no sense in and of itself. It only makes sense in context of the hive. Does it make sense? Yeah. And so a hive in a colony can do really, really well and prosper, but the life will come and go of the individual. And of course, God has an individual story with us and so on, but we need to maybe perhaps better understand our individual story yeah. as part of that bigger thing and how we serve and play into that. Um, yeah. Because then, then you actually begin to look at a much bigger horizon, don't yeah. you? Yeah. What's our impact over yeah. time? Yeah. Uh, and you don't have to go far in this world to find places where there's a, a legacy based on how people behaved five, six hundred years ago, and it's you know it's not always good. Yeah. <laughs> and we're having to work on healing those things, aren't yeah. we? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't want to pick on in a particular place, but I was recently in a place where. You get every hundred yards as a church, but things that happened three, four hundred years ago there are still working themselves out. Yeah, and and often the, through those <laughs> those very places. Indeed, very yeah, places. yeah. So, so yeah. if we think about that, then how does that change and inform what we're doing and yeah. how we look? That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. And I think I think that you know, so so one is the change of mindset into that kind of enough things are not instant, and you have to let them 
come yeah. to fruition in the fullness of time, right? And it, as they come to the the time, and and then of course you know whole, you know if you think about the, the agricultural analogy is good because you've done that, you've waited for that, then you have a harvest, right? And that harvest then becomes the seed for the next harvest, mm. as well as the food for to tomorrow. Do you, I mean, it's so it, you have that that whole that if you can check, get your mindset changed yeah. into that, that really helps. Yeah. Yeah. So I put one seed in, I might get 30, 60, 100, Jesus says, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> as a result of that one seed. So so it's it's looking at it, having that kind of mindset. But the other, I think the other aspect to, for, for me as well, so it changed my mindset, but it also changed the way in which I look at what I do and how fast I'm doing it and you know, because you know we're always in a rush. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we and we don't enjoy that. Is because part of building a legacy is to enjoy the legacy that's been left for you as well, right? So, so it's that kind of it's it's learning how to go at the speed you need to sp- to go at in order to see something happen mm. in terms of that. So that, that that's you know. So I I like to talk about you coming back to ancient ways, right? So yeah. so I like to talk about rather than talking about disciplines or cycles or what I like to talk about rhythms you know what's the rhythm of life for, for today or this season you know rather than you know so, so you get into a nice rhythm so you know so one of the things I've been struggling with at, at this point yeah. is is um you know you know me and Jessica have had a new season she's traveling more with me we're on the road more and and for me I'm just thinking Okay, um, you know when I'm on the road, it's really easy. It's the focus is is clear. It's like boom, boom, boom. You know, you just get on with it. But when I've come back, when I come back into Luton, I really struggle. What's the focus? What should I be doing? And I, I felt God say to me, you know, you need a slower rhythm and a slower mm, yeah, pace, right, yeah, in order to reflect on things to enjoy things to recover to you know all of those kinds of things as well so um so so for me it, it's been that that paradigm change if you like the way i think but also the way i do things and and being um content with with that mm. that that rhythm whatever it is yeah, you know that, and that pace whatever it is yeah, yeah. um and i think the third area that helps me in this, you know, in terms of building a legacy for 500 years, if you like. Because I, I think some of that lack of discontent sometimes is caused by, you know, a legacy of the past that is both good and bad, right? So so out of kind of Protestant, Protest, the Protestant era, if you like, when all that kind of came in, came this kind of idea of a work ethic, having a good work ethic. You know, we need always to be um, productive. Um, the problem with that is, is they can become a driver that you can't take time. You can't slow your rhythm. You know, everything you do has to have a product at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we live, we've lived in a society that drives that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, sometimes like, but you know, the work ethic, I'm the good work ethic, yeah. good thing, right? <laughs> it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good legacy. But coupled with that needs to be, um, if you like a, a another aspect to that is that rest is good as well 
And you don't always have to be producing something in order for it to be legitimate and for it to be good. Yeah, so, so those are, I think, those are some of the things that, that, that are driving this. I, and I'm, I'm still thinking this through, as you can tell. You know, so, so that whole idea. So on, on the legacy thing, you know, there's the paradigm change, you know, the way of thinking is the trying to do, do things that help to build that and give yeah. you time to reflect on that. And you're living at a pace that could actually set a good legacy. The third aspect is, is, you know, um, is not so much the product again, but what is the value? You know, so living from values rather than products, if that makes sense, right? So, so, um, so for instance, that the guys with the the, the um, in the fourteenth century, the farmer in the fourteenth century, uh, he's not just planting trees; he's 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 living from a set of values, mm. and his values were: we need to replenish the. The, this that we he'd be he'd be great in the green era, right? He says, yes. <laughs> you know, we cut down a lot of trees. We need to replenish them now. You know, so so, but it's a va- so I think that was a value for him, yeah. a, a value of serving, looking ahead and saying they're going to need these again. This is going to happen again. It will wear out. Therefore, I'm going to have a value of serving, yeah. and part of that serving is passing on from generation to generation this thing so it's not just the legacy that they've now got trees but actually that somebody has thought ahead to be able to do that yes so so i think um for me one of the things that i i've tried to concentrate on is how do i live from my values you know how do i because i think my values are the thing in the end that will be the the leg more of the legacy than the thing right so it's not a library it's the value of books it's it's not it's you know it's it's not the school it's the value of learning and every generation being able to learn every every child having the right to do that and the opportunity to do that you know so if you think about your family you know it's like well i i think my family will have lots of values that will be passed on from generation to generation i think the the, the challenge for us is that as we've put those values in that we then let them work them out and apply them in the midst of who they are, what their family is, what their context is. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise you end up, you know, there's that whole that old story that, you know, whenever they cooked Sunday lunch, they would the they would cut the 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 joint in half and you know and and that was the way you did it. Yeah. You know, but then then uh the, so the daughter asked the mother one day, why do, why do we always cut the joint in half? Oh, that's, the, that's the way we've always done it. That's the way your grandmother taught me how to do it, right? So then she goes and talks to her grandmother and she said, what is the reason for doing that? And the grandmother turns to her and said, the reason was the oven was too small for a big joint. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to cut her in half. Yeah. If you've got a big enough oven, you don't need to cut her in half. You know, so so it's, you don't want that kind of legacy is what yeah. I'm saying, you know, but but the value of cooking, the value of feeding, the value of yeah. providing, you know, that's the, the, the stuff. So each generation is going to interpret for itself what those values look yeah. like and how they play out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very good. I, 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 I was thinking about um, what, what you were saying about God's not in a rush. And uh, you think of Californian redwood trees or, or sequoias, you think it, any god who creates a tree that takes 3,000 years to come to maturity is not in a rush. There's something in that to ponder, isn't there? And it's, 
you know, we'll put a seed in the ground here and in three millennia, it'll be quite splendid. That's a bit, I mean, it, it also ties in with, you know, there's ideas from Daniel of, you know, a rock being cut out without hands it becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. Yeah. And, and uh, um, Jesus said as well about mustard seed that becomes a large tree that, it is that long-term thing, and actually, maybe we're playing just in it. You know, um, it's 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 a chain, so it really matters what we pass on is good, not bad, and that we we sort of leak heaven into earth, not hell into earth, and and, and that we give a good legacy forward, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I hadn't thought of it in, in this way, but I've been doing a lot of reading recently around church history, and and also because I like reading history, just general history, and so on. And it strikes me that in the past 20 years, history has been opened up and come alive in a way it, was, mm. it wasn't. I, I, what I mean by this uh, is I remember in the late 70s listening to Christa Burr, I think it was singing song, Jerusalem is Lost. I don't know if you remember that one. It's his song about the Crusaders. I, even if I do, I'm not going to admit I listened to Christa <laughs> Burr in the, but, in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I was hardly out there buying the albums. I'm just saying I was aware of the song. Oh, yeah, right. But the, I mean, the point was, you know, in the 1970s, the history of the Crusades and so on was lost in the distant paths, past, and, and it was a mythical... It didn't have any power other than mysterious, you know, symbolism and so on, and, and um, it was sort of romantic nonsense, if you like, just allowed you to sing rock, progress, progressive rock songs around it. And uh, But then... September the 11th happened, and George Bush used the words shortly afterwards. He said, we'll be, there'll be a crusade. And suddenly that whole thing came live again. Suddenly Christopher's song has taken on a different meaning. Mm. Suddenly history has been opened up and made live. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And as I look at it, it just seems to me the whole thing is reopening up right the way back to the, the original time of Christ right now. You know, Church history, what Christendom is, I, I think what's going on, we talked about uh, in a previous podcast of what's going on with the church. I think one of the ways to look at it is that God is bringing Christendom to an end. The way that uh, the rule and reign of the kingdom through his people got strangely wed to what was a temporal power. I mean, you, you look at the House of Lords, it, you have the temporal, the Lord's temporal and the Lord's spiritual, it's there. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the um, Holy Roman Empire, which had a flag with a bird with two heads, one spiritual and one military or political. And and God's breaking that whole thing apart. And this history, which was just stone and old paintings and old books and stuff, suddenly becomes alive and it has power and it causes offence and it's, people are sensitive about it again in an, just an extraordinary way. And I think it's because... One of the things God's doing is bringing about a cleanup. Mm. So there's a repentance from certain things and a resetting to create a, a different legacy going forward. And just as two symbols of that, I think there's, this is really, just fascinating to me is that in Westminster Abbey, there's a door and they think it's a Saxon door that predates the Abbey. So when the Abbey was rebuilt, I think by William the Conqueror, that door would have been around. <laughs> It's a th- over. A th- it's a thousand year old that door, a door that is a thousand years old. I mean, it was seven hundred and fifty years old when America was, you know, the American Revolution happened. It was seven hundred and fifty years old. But if you go to Rome at the Pantheon, which is 
a building still in use today that was put up by Hadrian. The doors on it are made of bronze, and I believe, if I'm rightly informed, that they were put there in AD 120. So within a few generations of Jesus and Paul, the same bronze doors that were put up by Hadrian are there today, and they open and they close. And so suddenly this thing, you know, Jesus was born, you know, 2,000 years ago. I, mean, I remember as a kid going and studying the Vikings and going down to the south coast of England and looking at this stuff. And it was lost in the mists of time and it's 1,000 years ago and just un unspeakably distant in the past. Well, no, that's only halfway back to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, like, yeah. And there are doors in Rome which are almost twice as old as the Vikings. You know, they've been swinging around for 900 years by the time the Vikings rolled in. So what I'm saying is, our history is our present inheritance. That legacy is real. And I think yeah. God's unpacking it. And there's some really good um, books to read on that. One is, um, he's a secular historian, Tom Holland, talking, yeah. it's a book called Dominion, where he talks about how the ideas that Paul wrote about and promulgated, how they provided the foundation for uh, Western civilization and transformation of values which is so, our, our modern world is so unlike Rome and Greece. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, uh, if you want a, a more sort of Christian-focused version of that and lighter reading by a chap called Glenn, Glenn Scrivener called The Air We Breathe, which is does the same thing, but it, it all goes back, it looks at the whole 2,000 years and uses it as a material to understand how what Jesus said came into Western culture and transformed it. And even where it's gone wrong, even where the church has gone wrong, the very critique of the way it went wrong through say slavery or, or um, sexual abuse in the church or um, oppression of various kinds, the very measure we use to critique what went wrong is Christian. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the very atheist impulse that says God, you know, um, you know, the, the, Christ, the Christopher Hitchens sort of thing is that, you know, God is a tyrant. And, and Richard Dawkins said the same thing. Well, he's only a tyrant by the measure of Jesus. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's the air we breathe is is has owes its roots and we are in a 2000 year legacy. And I think that, that, that there's a, a re-recognition of not so that historic 2000 year process is being reopened and cleansed and there's a repentance and laying of new foundations and which i find fascinating i think the times we're in are, are just incredible yeah. yeah that's amazing yeah this friend of mine a friend of ours his view is that covid was ad 70 for the church that's his sincere so AD 70, just for those who might not know what AD 70 is <laughs> AD 70 brought the temple in jerusalem to an end right that is done with now his view as someone who spent the past 30 40 years in you know full-time ministry and missiology and all that sort of stuff is um you know this is ad 70 for the church as we've known it now what that means and how that plays out obviously when we come back to the our legacy thing there's some big things going on here and some big things to be thinking about and getting legacy right really matters doesn't it yeah it does and i think that's interesting as well you know because we you know we, in one of the earlier podcasts, we talked about the change of era, yes. right? This is a change of era. Yeah. And we're seeing so many of those changes yeah. of the era that, that mark a change of era, you know, the queen dying, the, you know, the, the those kinds of things are very, very much an, a, an end of an era. 
it, it's you know it, it, people are saying that. I mean, I was watching um, some programs around that the other day, and and it was just a this is the end of an era. Yes, um, you know this is this is this is the end. Well, you know it's the end of the Elizabeth the second Elizabethan era, right? Yeah. So so we're seeing both spiritual stuff, you know, that you're talking about there, but also some very um, historic natural historic stuff yep. coming to an end as well. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we're going to see some significant uh, events in the coming years because with the passing of an era, things can move now that could not move until now. Yeah. And and without being too mystical or weird about that, I I think we we are in a different era. And when 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 that sort of kingpin changes, everything else moves around and jiggles around a bit. And I think it could be, what's the word, Uh, dynamic. And I think it could be uh, (laughs) anxiety-inducing. But I think this is where we come back to hope in a mad world. What we've learned is this, is that... uh, there is a, a, a way of navigating it surely and confidently. And there's a verse, as Isaiah 33 says, he will be your sure hope and foundation. In, it's a sure foundation in your time, in your times. He, and it comes, comes back to what we were saying all along, is the way you get through these things, these big aerial shifts and so on, uh, and actually the way you lay your legacy properly is, is that we're focused on a person, not a creed, not a system, not a model. Yeah. Well, that brings it all nicely to an end, right? Is that the end, is that the end of the series? <laughs> I think this is the end of the series. So it's uh, that kind of brings it nicely around again until the next series. Do we do another one? Well, we'll see what people think. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ral, as you know, at the end of our pod, each podcast, we like to talk, one of us to share what we're into at the moment. So what are you into at the moment? Chickens. Well, I'm not so much into them this week, but I'm thinking about them a lot because <clears throat> we've kept chickens at our the farm where we live and uh, got about 30 at the moment. And there's this horrible avian flu going around at the moment. So the, the, the UK poultry flock is being locked down. We call it flock down. Uh, <laughs> and it sounds kind of comical, but for a chicken to be locked up in a coop is pretty depressing. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's no Zoom calls for them. You know, they just got to sit in there. So there's a real serious danger to the UK bird and poultry population at the moment. And they, they, I think in the southwest, they're still pulling uh, seagulls out of the sea and there are pigeons falling dead in our field. And it's it's all a bit, you know, if they were to die, that'd be very sad. Um, so I'm thinking about that, and you know, this whole war with Ukraine and the and the whole impact on fuel prices has put up um, the price of chicken feed, and also we keep pigs, and the cost of pig feed right now is so high. It's like well, you can't, you don't want to be doing it right now. It's just very expensive to be doing. So it's yeah, it's tough time for chicken keepers everywhere. Spare a thought and a prayer. <laughs> Ridiculous you are, like it, eh? Ridiculous. What can I say? Jerry, what are you doing?